Listener's note on this episode, um, we had some audio issues due to a bad microphone, uh, which have been rectified going forward. Use caution with volume on this episode. Yeah. Meaning turn it up when need be and turn it down when it gets loud again. Six Pack Double Feature. Two friends, two movies, two mics, and too much beer. Today the guys join forces to fight off a pair of alien invasions with They Live and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't forget your bubblegum. these things want and why are they here you still don't get it do you boy? they have recruited the rich and the powerful they're running the whole show wake up they're all about you all around you blinded us to the truth take a look they are safe as long as they are not discovered i don't know what they are or where they came from but we gotta no, stop them stay away from me put these on they have us look at them they're everywhere <laughs> We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on a TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletales. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick. And I'm all out of bubble gum. say they live at the end of the trailer. Yeah, it, it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> it just keeps going. Hey, yeah. welcome <laughs> welcome in, folks. Let's, let's talk about our, they uh, live. Yeah, welcome to our, our new uh, season. Uh, up until about three months ago, I had never seen this movie. Yeah. And I remember you being sort of upset with me. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, it's definitely... It's definitely one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, but it would only make the list if it was in a pick six list of John Carpenter films. Really? If I was forced to do five, I, it may be on the sidelines. So, but what's what's the plot of this movie? For those of you that are that don't know, like me three months ago, uh, real quick, <laughs> what's the plot? The plot is we have a, a homeless, vagrant uh, wanderer by the name of John Nada, who uh, is down on his luck. From he must have come from Saskatchewan or <laughs> or somewhere in that vicinity, because there's no way you can get rid of his Canadian accent, depending on the words that he's specifically speaking. That that accent just comes right through. Um, when he talks, he doesn't when, talk for like the first twenty damn minutes. Yeah, of the but movie. when he does, oh, it's right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and. He begins to notice some weird things going on, and apparently uh, the plot line is that aliens have come down at some point in time, who Wait, knows how long, right. 30, 40 years, and have indoctrinated and, I don't know, hypnotized, but have... I have pacified written down here. Pacified the, the collective, 
people that live in, I guess this is Los Angeles. And, uh, they, uh, they are brainwashed to just be sheep Hmm. and consume. If you don't know the, the, if you see those shirts that say, have the zombie bloody veiny face, it says consume. Yes. That's what this, that's what the aliens really look like. Yes. And so, and he somehow just notices some suspicious behavior going on to wherever vagrant lot. <laughs> I like the word vagrant today. Apparently, <laughs> he, he the hobo lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as some uh, church that's being utilized for uh, other things, and then he comes across some sunglasses, and those sunglasses, in essence, open his eyes to not everything's right in this some sweet eighties era Ray Bans. Yeah. But what I really like is the fact that it, the way Carpenter shot this movie is he, it was 88, and was he actually had to shoot that, all of the footage that was in black and white, in black and white. Yeah. He, he couldn't color code it later in post-production. He couldn't change it. That's and one thing so that... he purposefully had to do an entirely different set. So when he walks into that convenience store or grocery store or wherever, all of that packaging had to be completely changed out for those black and yeah. white shots. And that attention and to detail. Awesome. Yeah, that attention to detail shows through. It's it, it literally just looks different and it doesn't just look different like you said cuz he just flipped flipped it to black and white. Yeah. It literally has a completely different sheen. Yeah. And Nada has a, an entirely a completely difficult time trying to convince his, <laughs> his buddy, buddy <laughs> Keith David. I love him. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> And, and fights him for 17 minutes or however long that fight is before <laughs> just put on the glasses what you were talking about hearing his Canadian accent what I have written down here is holy shit he walks for like the first third of the movie and says nothing mm-hmm. uh, backed with that blues guitar riff and then oh when Carpenter's he, yeah guitar riffs yeah. yeah and when he does say anything he says like two lines and then and it's harmonica. another and then, or harmonica yeah Jesus and then mm-hmm. it's another seven minutes of him walking <laughs> <laughs> um, I did think it was going to be a bit lighter in tone, a little more, a little more like uh, Big Trouble, in Little China. Mm-hmm. It was just a little, well, not heavy-handed. I mean, he's clearly making a message, uh, making a comment. Oh on yeah, society. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just a little, a little darker. Yeah, I. If you don't pay attention to the subliminal and not so subliminal <laughs> messages that he's putting there, yeah, if you're not paying attention to that it could go right over your head but it's basically a commentary on his view on reaganomics and the 80s and it's morning in america yeah some of my first impression notes i have down here is like it's i love how the film's like title converts to the graffiti you know near the train tracks yeah it just kind of fades and then it just becomes that and then the camera just moves and pans to the right or the left or whatever it is and it's just that's a a, a it's just so subtle, subtly brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the score earlier. Um, his scores, Carpenter's scores, if, if you don't know much about John Carpenter, he pretty much writes almost everything music-wise um, that, he, that he films. And he's not the most gifted musician. No. He's very, <laughs> he's very repetitive in a, in a lot of ways. He's not the most gifted musician, but it, it suits his Absol- films. Absolutely. It's just an additional signature of mm-hmm. of a carpenter film. And so his scores are always just so simple and effective but you know while they they would rarely work in any any else anybody else's films they so work in his but honestly I believe 
that this score is probably one of his weakest personally. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say it, I he, he focuses so hard on that harmonica. It's was he influenced by influent? Was he influenced by uh, or it, blues? Uh, or, blues, but uh, uh, once upon a time in the West. Maybe I don't know because it's similar in the way that I don't want to say rely, but fall back frequently on that harmonica and that riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it sort of it gets a little grating after a while. Yeah, that's a good word. A little displacing. Let's <laughs> do it. It only took six and a half minutes before we see Roddy Piper take his shirt off. <laughs> took six and a half minutes. I looked at him like, oh, let me look at time. Six about six minutes, thirty seconds. He uh, for <laughs> being his a wrestler uh, physique, a wandering vagrant, as we called him. Yeah, he's he's found time to get the reps in at the gym mm-hmm. or somewhere. He is one fit hobo. <laughs> That's your first time, Roddy <laughs> Piper. One, one fit, fit hobo. hobo. I'm going to write that down. Um, That's the one, sometimes when you start to break down plot points a little too much, or characters and what their motivation is and why they're out there, I'm like, why would someone leave their family in Detroit and then move themselves, just themselves, not their family, just whatever Keith David's character's name is, Frank, to to work out in Los Angeles? Maybe his family sucks. he needed some distance. He needed to put some distance. We the living room, in the, in his, the living room was not kids. far enough away. I don't know. Keith David is one of those guys. He's intense. One thing I noticed about They Live, and I noticed a lot of things, but one I'm going to talk about right now, is for being an action movie, there's not a lot of action. No. This, this is more sci-fi-ish. In, in, tension. It's action light. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't mind, but no. like, when there is action, it's... Really oh yeah, I mean that fight scene. Did you watch? I so I, to watch this for this episode. I, I bought the special edition Blu-ray, yeah. and I, I'm one of those dudes that watches all the bonus yeah. stuff too. And that fight scene took, I can't remember, an in, inordinate amount of time for them to film because. Um, um, I might have that information here. Okay. Uh, Keith David's not a fighter. Roddy no. Piper is. You know, he's basically he's a pro stuntman because he was a professional wrestler. So, and like they were going for it, in in rehearsals. Yeah, they were. It took them like three days or something. Yeah, it had to have taken forever to beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't. Uh, and how many times they slam each other back down onto that asphalt? Well, there's mats Ugh. there, but yeah, still. but I'm not thinking that at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it just my body goes. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine how much that hurts. Um, I didn't I just, know it was based off of a uh, a comic book. Um, when, my, I think the first time I saw this, my first thought was always that you know a movie starring a, a former pro wrestler isn't going to be that good, and, and while that may you know be an understandable viewpoint, <laughs> I never take into consideration that they're they're always acting all the time on stage. I mean, on, in the ring. Yeah, yeah. That they are performers, and that they can perform and they can act because they're doing it the entire time they're sure. there. But they're they're playing very they're not they're not the Ness actors. No, they they're, aren't. They're character actors. They're character actors. But my initial thought is, well, this is gonna suck because this is <laughs> stupid. Yeah. But it doesn't cross my mind until after the fact. I'm like, well, maybe it's not such. It's not as bad of an idea. No. As initially, I, I think he's Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper wasn't as big as like say your Hulk Hogan. Right. They, he kind of, but it, it's for me. It's easier to see him transition to a a B movie actor than it is Hulk Hogan because he's Hulk Hogan. He's America right. he's America's wrestler. Yes. 
He is. And you know, Always Sunny kind of did it by making Roddy Piper sort of the wrestler in that one episode. But it would have been fun to see him play the wrestler instead of Mickey Rourke. <laughs> that would have been interesting. What doesn't work? Oh, well, before I even get there, Piper's performance was considerably better upon my second and third viewing than I had re- originally remembered. Because okay. it had been a while since I watched it, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting this. I'm buying, like, I bought, like, two or three of, like, all these new special edition Carpenter movies that came in. Yeah, sure. And um, he's really good at facial expressions hmm. and acting without speaking. Yeah. Like, he when he goes through, that. yeah, he does a lot of that. But, like, when he goes through that church before he comes across the sunglasses, just his, the way he directs his eyes looking, you know what he's doing. Yeah. And that expressiveness, I think, works for the character. So, I I took a weird ride watching this movie. Mm -hmm. To start with, I was so annoyed and then ultimately kind of pissed during the first, at least the first act. It's like, is anybody going to talk? Like, that's what I have under what doesn't work. Some dialogue would be great. I mean, I get it's just it's just a it's a slow burn and yes, I'm just, it is a slow burn. I, need to I didn't calm think about down. Well, that and it's a movie that's well, what thirty years old this year. So it's, I wow. mean, yeah. they took their time sometimes. And the movie is only ninety four minutes. It's yeah. a fairly brisk ninety. But the first time watching it, if you're if you're not like pulled in initially, I can see how you're like, is anything going to happen here? You talked about your second and third viewing of the movie kind yeah. of making it a little better. By the end of the movie, this like. I love this movie. Yeah. It just it's you it's it's a bit of a horse of a different color. Right. It's a slow burn action sci-fi movie. But coming part of what it was too was like I said earlier coming from John Carpenter, I expected Big Trouble in Little China. That sort of quick fire. Right. That kind of pacing and I, I didn't get that and I just had to rewire. Yeah. I had to Sometimes check my you- brain. Sometimes you have to hit reset when you're watching an older movie when you start getting used to the stuff that you're watching that's produced in 2018 yeah. and 2017 like attention spans that trying to get kids <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't listening what? you know exactly <laughs> trying to get you know kids or you know younger adults interested in you know 70s and 80s stuff that's just these movies take their time and man when we get to the second half of this there you know Lisa just with out she well yeah. The second half it's, of this episode is is more my favorite half. Of and I enjoy that one, and it is freaky. But I mean, it's just kind of funny. I'll touch base on it later. But um, a scientific investigation division SWAT truck. <laughs> <laughs> the truck, the SWAT truck shows up, and I'm like, "What is this?" A scientific investigation division. And then they all come out, I think, with guns. The helicopter and the stuff and the thing. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah. Um, let me see a couple of notes. Do you do you know the links? To uh, this movie has links to Masters of the Universe and to Back to the Future. Like, like there are actors. Not, I mean, there are there are specific actors. Oh, you're not saying they exist in the no, same universe because no, that would have blown no, my mind. No, that would have blown my mind too because I, I know, <laughs> no, just acting um, links. And then that would bring a whole new light to that scene at the beginning of Back to the Future when Marty lifts his glasses up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how are they connected? Uh, well, um... I'm going to be pissed when you tell me, because it's going to be really obvious, and I'm just well, not thinking of it. who's the ice blue-eyed lady? She plays... Oh, the, yeah, I was about to talk about her. I can't remember her character's, uh, her character's name. name. Or her is, actor. Her character's acting name is Holly. The actress is Meg Foster. Yeah, she was in... Evil Lynn. Yeah. She, well, she masters of the universe as Evil Lynn. The homeless drunk on the park bench. Crazy drunk driver. He's... 
the one he's one of the homeless guys. Nice. <laughs> I guess he moved out of Hilldale. <laughs> moved to Whittier. Right, he moved to Whittier, <laughs> and uh, he's one of the ones who says, "You see these fancy watches?" And they go, you know, and he takes that's the same guy. That's the. I, if I noticed that, I didn't make the connection. Yeah, that's the same actor. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, um, okay, let me see. I'm glad here. you mentioned Meg Foster. Um, that's one. That's one thing that I think doesn't work. Her character was really cool. She was a really good character, and they didn't use her too much. No. Actually, I think they used her too little. They could have. They could have used her in a couple more scenes. Yeah. I think. Yeah, because she's. The uh, the betrayal would have worked a little more better. Yeah. If I agree, you you come back. We don't get a chance to make a connection with her, right? As as much. I Here. almost picked the fight scene as one of my pick six selections. Oh, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I would, well, I guess it it wouldn't be. I almost, I almost did. Um, that's uh, a, that's a great here. fight scene. Oh, five times, I counted this five times. Frank knees Nada in the nuts <laughs> in that fight scene. As I put here, five like times Frank goes knee to not his nuts in that fight scene. <laughs> um, it's it's almost a pornograph. It's almost like pornographic. How long? It's a, por- that- it's a pornographic fight scene. Yeah, without any nudity. What I mean by that is it's just so, so drawn yeah. out. Like Jesus, yeah. just one of you kill the other one, God. or at least knock somebody out. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> When was the last time you saw an Uzi being used in a movie that wasn't from the late 80s or early 90s? Uh, they don't yeah. use Uzis anymore, Yeah, do they? they don't. No. Huh. But they sure as hell use the hell out of them in this movie. What do they use now? Uh, AKs? I don't know. I don't... Yeah. That's, um, that's odd. I didn't even think about that. Uh, the only way the soldiers were using the same device Egon was using in Ghostbusters. Did, I did notice that. Did you that, notice that? Yeah. Um, if it wasn't, it was almost identical. That thing... Uh, I read a Cracks.com article about things that turn up in in uh, other movies and the pke meter right turns up in a couple of things and i can't remember other than ghostbusters and they live what else it's in but yeah search that it's um that's pretty cool what's another thing that's kind of interesting that dates the movie you just don't see is this i love how in this film in this film it's still in the era that having a wall of tvs on display behind you know in a window to bring people into their store to buy something it was still relevant you just don't. You don't see that anymore. If I understand, so you I definitely. Would do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. I think it's cool. It's an interesting. It's a novel concept. It's a way to tell part of the story without telling having to you know yeah. tell the story. It helps carry the story itself along. Like when uh, yeah, we had a store when called Daryl Hannah's character, you know, uh-huh. in a splash and destroys all the TVs. <laughs> I've only seen that like once. Once is enough. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's right. Isn't that, is that a Joe Dante? No, that's a Ron Howard. Ooh. I liked that one as a kid. There's yeah, At some point, if we review that one, I'll have some interesting... Not interesting stories, it's just... Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind adding that, yeah, too. Splash is interesting. Season so three, if we, get, if we get renewed. Um, <laughs> you can tell the AC kicked on in here. Feel yeah, I was, I was hoping it wouldn't be too... It's No, it's, it was yeah. just pleasantly cool. Yeah. <laughs> like Fonzie. Yeah. Uh, plot point and pacing. I'm like, the film plays out fairly well at a brisk 94 minutes. They don't waste too much time giving the view, uh, giving the viewers the impression of what's going on, that there's something wrong, and then the perfect reveal with the sunglasses. But it does drag a little with there being a limited amount of dialogue in the, in the beginning. That goes back to my what doesn't work. It's just, it's too little dialogue, and they rely too much. I don't know what they're trying to say with that riff, the blues riff, and I don't want to harp on it. 
too much more, but... Get a keyboard, John. Go the, back to your keyboard. He, yeah, he kind of just did a shit job, if I'm being honest. He kind of did a shit job at setting up the world in the beginning there. Mm -hmm. Like, a little more a little more movement. Well, and like I put here... What, what this Not work. walking, though. <laughs> well, it, it plays on, almost on too long, just like the fight scene. Mm -hmm. It almost drags on too long, like you said. And then the police beating seems a little too forced, perfectly staged to look just a little fake. Yeah. With, and it's like I wasn't sure if that was their intention or they just didn't have time to reshoot the scene a couple of times. Because when that, that area gets invaded and those people get, you know, just the, the police beatings and stuff, it just, yeah, it didn't, they didn't sell it to me. It's, it almost has a feel like he needed, in the editing room, decided, oh shit, the movie's only 80 minutes long. Can I flesh some of these other scenes out? Oh, don't worry, I got a 17-minute fight scene. Yeah, <laughs> Possible. I can flesh out this police beating scene. Right. Um, I can add a little more walking to the beginning sequence, and we'll hit that blues riff again. And then, coup de gras, got that 17-minute fight scene that right. I can I can stretch out for mm -hmm. you. Other than that, I, I what I love about it is this the, uh, for. Uh, uh, a John Carpenter movie. It seems like he paid more attention to uh, effects and camera work in this one. Now he, it just it has a different, slightly different look than his stuff normally does. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about it earlier with the having to literally build a different set and for the black and white, yeah, scene. And shoot it, yeah, and the effect of him taking the glasses off uh, and putting the glasses on. That's an entirely see. different set or yeah. a redressing of the set. Yeah. I mean, that's just nuts. It's amazing, and uh, the miniatures they use, mm -hmm. and um, it's all in camera or most of it's in right. camera, which I have a, a vast love for. So that's, I, what, that's why I really enjoyed the Coppola's. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh yes, because his he had his son do the visuals because he told his son he wanted to do like all in all, camera. All in camera, and so he said, "All right, I'm going to do that." So that's that's why that I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but it's grown on me quite a bit. I need to watch it again. Um, I see here under some trivia. It's like the line I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum. It says apparently it was ad libbed by Roddy Piper. <laughs> Carpenter really? Carpenter said uh, that Piper had taken the line from a list of ideas that he had for pro wrestling interviews, which totally clicks and makes sense. When <laughs> I you always think wondered about where it, it came way. from. Like, why? Because think if just you got two wrestlers and a news guy with his yeah. mic. Oh, yeah. Me what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I've come here to <laughs> chew bubblegum and, bubble and, and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. What would have made it better is if he'd been chewing bubblegum when he walked in and then spit out the spent bubblegum and then... Out of bubblegum. Kicked ass. Uh, big, oh, yeah, that's right. The big fight sequence was designed, rehearsed, and choreographed in the backyard of director John Carpenter's production office. Uh, the fight was supposed to only last 20 seconds. But Piper, did you clock the fight? I didn't clock the fight. Uh, I thought I clocked the fight, but I didn't. And I swear it's at least 12 minutes. I think. I, but by the time it got. I exag we exaggerate sometimes. On this podcast, what we talk about, but I swear the fight scene feels like it's 17 minutes long. <laughs> it may be seven, but it's definitely more than five, and it's I honestly believe it's at least ten. Jamie Johnson, if you're listening, clock that fight scene and comment below. <laughs> I know you probably already know off the top um, of your head. I said, but Piper and David decided to really fight it out for real and only faking the hits to the face and the groin. They rehearsed the fight for three weeks, and Carpenter was so impressed. He kept, oh, right here. 
I swear, I was. It said right here, the fight scene is five minutes and twenty seconds. <laughs> so we exaggerated. <laughs> I even exaggerated to seven to ten. Uh, <laughs> the alien, uh, the alien, superficial uh, resembling walking rotting corpses, and Carpenter didn't want the aliens to look like just like high tech. They wanted. He just wanted a visual representation of a corrupting humanity, and that's why they I mean, look like they do. They need to re-release this movie today. I need to go. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again soon. Um, let me see here. Uh, yep, is it was his take on Reaganism. We already know that. Did you say your favorite line? Uh, no. What's oh, your? I have a favorite line. I'm going to have to cue it up here. Okay. So you, well, if you want to give yours. Yeah, I, you know what my favorite line is. It's the chew bubble gum and kick ass line. I ha I wanted to pick something that was different. Good. I I couldn't think of any nothing nothing really poked its head above water for me, other than, and being my first time seeing it, that's okay. I, I don't mind taking the, uh, the, uh, the easy road there. That's okay. Or I came here to chew ass and kick bubble gum. <laughs> I'm all out of ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it. That's I, not the one I meant. Uh, can we do that again? I'll go back to one. Let's do that. <laughs> No, Roddy, we're keeping that one. I came here to chew ass. <laughs> Kick bubble gum. All right. Uh, whenever you're ready. Are no limits. <laughs> it figures it would be something like this. Our nation, our ideal oh. of vision. Excuse me. Just survive. You know, you look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. <gasps> You're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. Oh. You see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. That's what That's we got. That's enough out of you. You get it out or I call the cops. Call the cops? You know what you need? You need a Brazilian plastic surgeon. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> formaldehyde face. Oh, man. That was... I had to find something else. I'm like, that's the line that works. So that's my favorite line or piece of dialogue. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle way back and go... Um, what are you drinking? We didn't cover that at the beginning. <laughs> we didn't cover that because we jumped around with which episode we were going to record first. But I think it'll still work. I'm drinking Bud Light. I normally don't drink Bud Light. Same. But, you know, a hobo vagrant like Nada, I think, <laughs> would drink Bud Light. I'm uh, a step or two... Above. above, I would, or above I, would, I would put okay. above. I would put that above. Bud I'm Light doing personally. the uh, PBR. Um, just seems like a strong blue American collar blue collar beer when you have a strong American blue collar Canadian Canadian actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's Canadian American. Um, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite scene? Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, the fight scene. Okay, just the, that's not my favorite scene. Just how much, watching the watching I, the uh, special features, yeah. how much attention to, that they put into that. Into and they that could have scene. trimmed it, but I And appreciate I would imagine the, that, that coordinating that with Roddy, with the experience and background absolutely. in wrestling, really worked well in yeah. that. Because it, it looked yeah. authentic. Yeah, kept everybody safe because he knew how to yeah. tell... Uh, other than punches to the what do you say face in the groin? Yeah, they <laughs> said <set up> rules. <laughs> they could do anything else, but they wanted to do it for real. Uh, my favorite, my favorite scene is when Holly hits Nada with the bottle and shoves him out of her house, 
and he flies off of the balcony and then down the hill. It's so damn over the top, it's incredible. And he just stumbles away with scrapes and bruises. I mean, it's just like, where did that come from? Yeah. It's just boom, and he's just woo over the over the balcony. That was nuts. It was so over the top, but I I love it. I love it. It's so stupid, but great. That's I think that's a good way to describe this movie. Uh, subtly over the top. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Um, again, you mentioned Holly. That's if if I was going to wave a magic wand and change one thing, I would expand her character. She's just interesting looking. She she plays cold really well, mm-hmm. and it like her eyes especially. Her eyes very much. They're um, icy, cold, smoky, misty mm-hmm. looking. She has like an ethereal kind of yeah yeah vibe going yeah that works well when she's playing certain characters. She just and, or there's just this. Aura of je ne sais quoi. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, know that what. Right there, she, her, je ne sais not what? only her eyes and her cheekbones and stuff like physically cut through, but she would have cut through sort of the, sort of beefiness, cheesiness. Yeah, that is this movie. I think if they you know? played her a little bit more, like I said before, I think the betrayal at mm-hmm. the end would have really worked, rather than it just kind of comes from left field. That and that's how I felt. And I think yeah. that it really would have been like, oh, yeah. Other than that, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd change anything. The ending feels a tad rushed, and I f- mm-hmm. and I find it odd that it's the tiny purse pistol that takes down the satellite, <laughs> like Patton. Yeah, it's just this teeny tiny little, like probably two round gun. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's got a little clip of like four or five, but it's small, and it just seems odd that that's what takes down that satellite to kill the feed so everybody sees the aliens for what they are. They are. Um, if you had to recast the lead, who would you have picked to star in this film? <laughs> here's, God, here's I a, hope your answer is the same as mine. It here, may not have been. Here's literally what I have written. And I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. And I, I haven't read these notes since I wrote them. Um, if I'd recast the lead, here's what I'd do. I'd beef up Holly's part, and that's the last time I'm going to mention that today. I promise. Um, and I'd make the lead male be Jack Burton. <laughs> I'd make this a straight up sequel to. Oh, that um, would be awesome. Uh, that would big be. Trouble. Yeah, he's down on his luck now. Yeah. Um, Two years later. The pork, you, yeah, you the can pork make it. Chop is, Express is more like a. <laughs> the derelict, defunct, yeah. dead vehicle. Now, uh, in some graveyard somewhere. I don't yeah, want to shit like on the. Her. He's like the Chicharroni Express. Or <laughs> he's not the Pork Rind Express. <laughs> You know, I don't want to shit on uh, Piper's performance because he does a great no, job. No, I don't him, either. But, uh, I think probably at that point, Kurt Russell was like, I need to do other stuff than be in John Carpenter movies. I'll come back to make the worst one <laughs> in like the mid 90s. Okay. I'll see you in about nine years once I've done some other fun stuff and I need a paycheck. Um, the only person I would, if I had to recast the film that would have fit the film itself... I would have put Bruce Campbell in there. Ooh. Well, he's another member of the Bubblegum Squad. He is. You know? I figured. I mean. Yeah. But. Which it, era Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell 1988? Probably 80s. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Does it still hold up? That's all I have to say about that. Oh, uh, yeah. The film is almost more relevant in today's political climate than it was in 1998. 88. 1988. I agree. Um, got any final thoughts? 
Uh, well, I've still got some. I've still got some comments. Um, oh, just uh, sort of just to kind of expound on what you said. It, it's sort of gotten itself into underground pop culture, if that's even a thing, with the stickers and the T-shirts of you know, just the guy's face, and it says "Obey." It sort of ironically proves its own theory by kind of shitting against product or taking a shit on product placement and advertising and marketing, and it's become kind of its own little marketing. Yeah, that's true. Because the, the only the last movie I could think that did just the amount. The same amount of shitting on that would have been like Fight Club and consumerism. Yep. Oh, I didn't even make that connection, but yeah, exactly. Same point. Yeah. But the the effects are always going to hold up because they're real. They're it's actually something that's being filmed, and mm-hmm. so every once in a while, the little drone things are a little too compositey. It feels like, <laughs> and though that's what looks stupid because it wasn't done in camera. Yeah. I bet you anything that it was done. I don't know if it was a rotoscoping or whatever. I forget I how he did that. But, but uh, no, it's they, if I'm not mistaken, the little drones are real too. And I forget how he did it. It's been were just they long. okay? Because yeah. they look I, they're so real they looked fake to me. Then and that's, that's what it, that's why. Or maybe they looked fake when they were black and white. I can't remember. Um, as far as um, final thoughts, I was expecting a different movie. I thought it would be uh, more over the top all the time, um, but I wasn't let down per se. I just pleasantly surprised. And um, now that I think of it, keeping Roddy Piper more low-key was right for the movie, because mm-hmm. he was so, as Hot Rod, you know, yeah. Roddy, Roddy Piper. The only thing missing was a kilt. <laughs> and a slightly shorter mullet. Yeah. Um, I so love the story, I love the special effects, and I really, really love this movie. It's going to be a staple around this house, whether I have bubblegum or not. Uh, I put in here, it, the, the film is funnyant poignant. Um, Carpenter avoided the subtlety of painting with very broad strokes, making sure that we all knew how he felt about the current administration. Uh, Even though it was almost out. Right. The film also carries some very clear messages about capitalism, conformity, poverty, and the horrors that everyday life can be for some people. And those are some of the things I didn't really think about until re-watching it again, going, well, just kind of conformity in itself and just... There are some. I mean, it really sheds a light on a homelessness <laughs> epidemic. Yeah, that that was one of the things that was jarring to me. It was like ah, it's not what I expected. It's like a documentary He's, almost. Yeah, but it's all done with a good sense of humor and an almost teenage sense of rebelliousness. His film is sure. You know, I see it's that. Like it has that touch of adolescence in trying to prove his point. It's yeah. It's got a. It's got kind of one foot in adolescence and rompiness and kitsch and all that, and the other foot in adulthood. Right. Like, it, it's a coming-of-age John Carpenter movie. <laughs> Is there any movies that you uh, you would be able to provide a better, or at least com- a comparable recommendation of the same genre? I really didn't have anything. Escape from New York? <laughs> the only thing <laughs> that I had... Have you ever... I mean, it's... It's only Fight similarity Club. in the, the situation of the lead character. If you've ever seen Dark City... I love Dark City. You know how he kind of wakes up and realizes there's other crap going on mm-hmm. that no one else knows about? Yeah. That's the only... Really, the similarity of the two. Yeah. But it has that same initial feel to it of... Like, you can't quite describe the, right. the tone. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great... Um, but it's a great description or a great uh, alternate. Also ran, but if you're if you're talking John Carpenter movies, I, ch- I typically 
try to stay in the John Carpenter universe. Yeah, and... Because well, he's so hard to... He's hard to... Because in some ways... anyone in, else that's yeah. in similar in that vein. Yeah. Because there's like a John Carpenter by, what, late 70s, and he was poignant and relevant for, for about, about 10, years. 10, maybe 15 years tops. And then... Uh... I, I can't wait to get into the next movie. So, um, here's the trailer. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep. 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 From deep space, Sleep. the seed is planted. Sleep. Sleep. Terror grows. Body snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, you've already told me the title of the movie. Why am I going to keep watching your trailer? Well, they're giving away <laughs> the entire plot. It's like, a, it's like a Cliff's Notes version of the movie. Yeah. Damn 70s era trailers. Hey, uh, today's welcome back. Second half. Hope you had a nice pee break, everyone. We sure did. We sure did. That's because we drink a lot of beer, <laughs> and it's the same. Bud Light. I'm saying PBR. Yeah. Um. So, if you haven't figured it out, this half, uh, keeping with the theme of invasion and invasion. aliens, and is the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. The Donald Sutherland version. The Philip Kaufman directed version. He did, um... Oh, man, now I'm blanking. Cocaine? Yeah. Probably? He was the one of the original screenwriters until it became just story credit for Raiders of the Lost Ark. He did ah. uh, The Right Stuff, I believe. Cocaine? Uh, yeah, cocaine. <laughs> uh, he's done some other stuff. I've been indifferent to the work that I've seen of his. So, But yeah, this was directed by him. What else has he done, uh, directed-wise? Without pulling up IMDb, I'm kind of... Oh, The Unbearable Likeness of Being. I think he did that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. I haven't either. I like that title, though. That's, I've always Apparently, liked it. it's incredibly depressing It sounds movie. like it. Incredibly depressing movie. Um, like The Incredible Shrinking Woman. From the... Uh, from the jump, of the four uh, versions of Body Snatchers that exist... Oh, that's right. This is my favorite. Um, it's right in that late 70s... Yeah. Sort of just that tone, that vibe. The The 94 version is okay. I've never seen the 94 version. It was... I've, I've got it written. I've seen the 50s later. version, but it's been so long. I, I can't remember. Or I've seen parts of it. I I've definitely seen parts of it. With that guy that was the bad guy from UHF. He's the the one that freaks out at the end at that, in that famous scene, and they reproduce it. I believe in this version. Getting into it. I've got so many notes and side notes on this one. It's, you can go sideways on this one. 
So yeah. turn your phone to the side because <laughs> it's the only way you're going to be able to understand <laughs> this. To hear it correctly. Otherwise, it sounds like. Yep. Uh, well, slightly silly at first, man. Realizing that the invasion happens through some like sort of cosmic cross pollination is really disturbing. The credits? <laughs> yeah. That's the first, first that's, I have that written down like, too. I mean, it made me think, it initially made me think of the Steve Martin movie, um, Bowfinger, doing the movie within the movie. Chubby Rain? Of Chubby Rain. <laughs> and that's what it made me think of. But uh, it's. That's not what I have. But yeah. when you pull back and really think about it, it's like, God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't survive. Not a day. No. And it's, that's really kind of frightening in that respect. Yeah. And it's, ugh, it gets. Uh, I under have, your skin. I wrote down the credits look like a video of smoke sperm. <laughs> smoke sperm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it creates perfect paranoia because it does such... We're so... Humans in, in general are such creatures of habit that they do a really good job of generating that paranoia of how we know and observe the everyday people in our lives mm -hmm. to where you notice something different, something's not right. What, yeah. Is that not the same person or i mean that's it's just it's a guttural primal like that fear you yeah I, I mean I can't it's say, just i can't say any better than what you just said there you get that's why that that's why i find this movie so disturbing that's and a, kind uh, of creepy i'll i'll talk about it later but that's part of the reason this movie has been remade so many times but yeah you, you hit the nail on the head it's whether you know it or not, you place your trust in mm -hmm. people. Yeah. You blindly place your trust in people. Every and day. then you place your trust, more trust into the people that you know. And just the fact that you could be around someone that isn't really the same, but you don't realize it is just. You don't mean a, commies, do you say? No. No. Have actually, you now? Or are you, ever, are you now? Or have that, you ever been? That's actually what I was going to talk about later. That's yeah. it's it's used as a political. That makes sense, especially in the fifties. The fifty six version yeah. was very much. As I never thought about that. So the, yeah, that the comic scare. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Seventy eight was just sort of. There's a lot. There's a lot of crap going. on. A lot of weird shit happening in the seventies. That I wasn't. There's a lot of internet. There's a lot of international terrorism. Yep. There's a lot of resource resource depletion of you know. Yep. The post-Vietnam era, yeah. you just—it was just, the world. <laughs> excuse me, the world was sort of an upheaval, upheaval, not upheaval. The '60s Very put different. the '70s on a crazy spin, yep. basically. And this is sort uh, of almost a, out of control. Sort of a response to that. Um, and I'll talk about the '94 and the '07 version later when I've got the notes in front of me because I don't remember what I've written down of what they were supposed to represent. But each each era's version sort of is a mirror of kind of what we were afraid of in that era. Yeah. Up until we watched this, uh, both of these movies, I hadn't seen either *Lay Live* or this version of *Body Snatchers*, um, and I was—I've seriously been looking forward to this movie because um, I, I love the plot. Oh, I know. Since when I started watching this, after about thirty, forty minutes in, I just looked at that and went, "I could see Donald Sutherland going to the wardrobe, going, come on, no, look, we paid for the raincoat. You're going to wear it.'" <laughs> That is a custom I mean, fit I know, tailored McGregor. I mean, I know they're in San Francisco, and it's a little more rainy sometimes there, and cold and windy, but look, it's a London fog. You better wear it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know the plot, real simple. Uh, alien sort of fungus. Space sperm. Smoke sperm. Um, 
is able to travel through the vacuum and cold temperature, high temperature radiation, all that of space. When they get to a planet, they use this really cool backward in-camera practical effect to go up your nose and get into your body and make a clone of you. And that's how they perpetuate their species across the galaxy. Yeah, they, it's like they clone you and then you deteriorate once yeah. you go to sleep. Or It's like a weird parasitic yeah. sort of thing. It's like, now, this this is 2.0. 1.0 is in the backyard decaying right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have new technology. Uh, in this uh, in this particular iteration of the movie, you are given the hope that a grumpy health department agent is going to be the one to save the day. Is this a rat turd? That's my favorite or line. Or a caper. That's my favorite, <laughs> is it? That's my favorite line. It's a rat turd. Then a eat, caper. A rat turd. Then it was it, it's a caper. Then if eat, it's a caper, then, then you eat it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not eating that. I wondered, what did I put? Was that line too? No. No. I didn't have a favorite line, but that works. Oh, good. But no, I said there wasn't anything that stuck out to me in particular for some reason when watching it. That a line. Yeah. That didn't I mean, click. But only, yes, that was funny. And that. The only <laughs> other sort of iconic line was is right from the end. When he... It's not really a line. It's yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about the pacing? Um, I liked it. It felt like a soap opera to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I liked it. But. No, I had no problem with the pacing. I felt that it took its time yep. that the way it was supposed to. Uh, the only pacing issues I have are with the pot people out in the garden. It carries on too long, but I think it's really only to make the viewers feel uncomfortable. Like They're all kind of dope sick. Yeah. yeah. When I was watching it, I can't remember if Lisa watched it all, all of it with me or not, but she was just like, how oh, this movie ever end? <laughs> It's, that, that the pacing for her was just really dragging on her for some reason. It, it, but it worked for me. It sort yeah. of has like a British film. It does. Tone to it. Not like a Hammer film, a little bit more sophisticated than that. But And not, not having seen, if, I, I've already forgotten the director's name, not having seen any of his other work, I don't know how it compares to that. But yeah, the, the pacing didn't bother me because it's I was in, once the, those credits were amazing, those opening credits, that sort of, Electric Kool-Aid acid bath test of psychedelia. Like one note I put here is I can't remember the last time a film made you fear plants like this one does. <laughs> <laughs> Little shock. I mean, Elizabeth maybe? has her own only has herself to blame. She picks that thing up and puts it in her damn apartment, and the rest is history. <laughs> San Francisco is almost like a character <coughs> in this film. That's interesting because it's like it's purposefully framed a fair amount of the shots, so you know. You always know where the characters are. There's something almost iconic. Kind of hmm. like you don't have a movie in Paris unless the Eiffel Tower is somewhere seen in the background. Sure. Kind of. Or an accordion. You know, exactly. For an audio thing. <laughs> what, so, do you think he did that? He probably did that purposeful. So, just make... so as to say, like, hey, we're still in Frisco. We're still in San yeah. Francisco. Do you think I, that's you, why? Or... We're paying for it. We're going to use it. <laughs> like the raincoat? Right. Make like sure you get that McGregor tag out there so we I mean, know it's a that, good raincoat. That line is one of my favorite lines, and I don't know if you've ever watched anything, I know you have, but as the audience of seven that listens. Maybe, eight oh, eight now. Okay. Uh, um, there's there's a line in Pod People from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and when you see the motorhome 
driving around and there's just these long shots of the motorhome driving around and you hear one of the three go we paid for that motorhome we're gonna shoot it or we're gonna <laughs> film it we're gonna use it however it goes and every time something just seems to linger on too sure. long or carries through it's like look we paid for it we're gonna use it make sure you get it in camera <laughs> um where are we at here uh let's see here uh <laughs> I would put one line that I put down here. Mike Leonard Nimoy, you traitorous body snatching son of a bitch. <laughs> this read is the it. only movie that I can recall that where you hate him. Read it like Dr. McCoy would have said it. Uh, Spock, you dirty traitor son, son of a bitch. bitch. Body snatching you, son of you a bitch. You green-blooded body snatching son of a bitch. It is interesting, the social commentary that it made on the fact that humans aren't who they used to be by eating junk food and breathing junk. Because it kind of made commentary on like it's another layer to the yeah this, this era is that was i forgot that i had put that down i'm like because i remember it making comment in some way shape or form about how unhealthy people eat and what mm. you know the the bad air that they breathe and so it's another commentary on kind of pollution at that time yeah which makes sense this uh and being unhealthy this version is the first uh, this is based on the book, cleverly titled Body Snatchers. Uh, but this I forget was the, that was a book. This was the first... Uh, so it's a book, and then four films have been made from it. Thus far. Wow. It's been 11 years since the last remake. Uh, so we're... We're, well, we're closely approaching we're getting close version to, 5. Yeah. Um, the, uh, this is the first remake, the first um, do-over. And the first, the 56 version, takes place in sort of a small town America where, I think I said earlier... I mean, it's it's an alien presence, but it's communism is what you're reflecting it against. Mm -hmm. And this one, it, it goes to the big city, and it right. goes to what you were saying. It reflects uh, overpopulation and pollution and garbage diet and yeah, just yeah. Okay, what's the nine? Is there commentary on the '90s version? Let me just look. Me if look you had something, um, well, you look at that, man. I was expecting one of those pod creatures to say, Open your mind, Quaid. <laughs> Open your mind. <laughs> because that's... I I love the, the, the kind of slimy, greasy, you know, plant and biological... Kind of like so, Cronenberg? Yeah, it was kind of Cronenberg-like, wasn't it? Um, it's just so creepy and gross. But that's what that made me think of when, when I saw kind of the pod people... When they kind of come, when they hatch, and they're just kind of eh, coming out of the their cocoon shells or whatever. It's gross. I don't seem to have uh, written right. down. What's... How about uh, the two thousand something with? Uh... Don't have that one either. All right. Well, they may have been insignificant. Fifties and the seventies had a lot more commentary on society than movies sometimes did in the nineties and past that. So that doesn't surprise me. Or you were seven bourbons in and couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I also kind of forgot that they that they're like one collective once they're oh, cloned, like a hive mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's also always so weirdly disturbing. <laughs> I'm really disappointed in myself. I thought I had better notes on the other two versions. Um, do you ever realize that Veronica Cartwright gets like typecast as the like? whiny, scared, crybaby. What else was she cast as that in? Alien. I've, only seen, Alien. I've only seen Alien once. <laughs> Might be part of the reason Alien 3 is my favorite Alien movie. 
Yeah, I, uh, maybe twice. I've um, seen Alien. Maybe one twice. One of the things that kind of bothers me that doesn't work right is the music score feels all over the place in this movie for That's, some reason. I wrote down and, but, but, and I always say it doesn't work. I take that back. I didn't put it in a doesn't work section because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. There's no cohesive melody. And so while it may be purposeful yeah. to make the viewer unsettled, I just don't like it. And so I think it was... I think whoever scored it was doing what they were needing to do to make the viewer feel uncomfortable. And I think that's why I cut and moved that back up to my notes rather than what doesn't work. Yeah. Because I think that's what they were trying to do. I, I mentioned music in, in my section of what doesn't work. It's sort of hard to say. It's, I try not to try not to focus on negativity anymore, but I think it all kind of works. The imagery, um, the lighting is great. You mentioned the music, mm -hmm. um, the little nods to duality, human nature, um, like people being shown in mirror image quite a bit, um, the old man reading when worlds collide, people's faces partially obscured in shots. It's not terribly subtle, but it's like a moving graphic novel. And yeah. Mostly, I think it all works. Um, what did I put here? While still being a little melodramatic. Look, I mean, this is the only... This, this film... Uh, probably makes me more scared about falling asleep than a nightmare on Elm Street does. Because <laughs> bugs can crawl in your nose. While yeah, you sleep. yeah, or plants or whatever, or space sperm, smoke sperm, <laughs> smoke sperm. <laughs> um, the one thing that always is that shock scene when I watch this movie, as I always forget about the man's head on the dog. I'm not remembering that. I'm drawing, what? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, okay. When we're done with this episode, I'm going to pull that scene up for you because you can't really hear see it. Okay. You can't see it with your ears. You got to see it, see it with your eyes. With your eyeballs. <laughs> with your eyeballs. Oh, man. Because you you see the man, like the, I don't know if he's a homeless guy. Oh, he's out in the park with his of. dog. And then at some point later, when most of the city has assimilated, you see... The dog, like banjo playing music, kind of weird, and it just runs right up. And I'm like, what the F is going on? Um, I remember that now. Okay. Do you know who that banjo player is? No. Jerry Garcia. Really? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I um, forgot about that. That's part of one of my trivias. Okay. Well, here's another thing. Donald Sutherland gets to do what everyone has probably dreamed of doing at least once in their life. You know what that is? Killing Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> 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 Why do you want to kill Jeff Goldblum? I don't know. You also realize this is a PG movie and we get PG boobs twice, like in two scenes. It's towards the end before the uh, before the warehouse gets set on fire. You uh, see Elizabeth. Oh, pop, yeah. yeah, when she's like zombie. And it's totally worth it. Pod Elizabeth. It's totally worth it. And it's a rarity, man. In two scenes, PG boobs. Uh, you don't get PG boobs. We got PG boobs in the last movie, too. Did we? Was oh, it? no, that was an R movie. Was it R? Oh, yeah. Hard R? Well, hard enough. <laughs> Die hard enough. Die hard enough. Um, I still don't understand exactly what it is that Sutherland's character is doing uh, in order to make the whole warehouse catch on fire and explode, unless the pods were full of, like, methane gas. <laughs> it could have been. Because that was one of the things that I find that didn't work for me, was how does he get the warehouse to catch on fire and then explode unless he knows the biological makeup, makeup of the pods. I think it was, to me, I just felt like a plot hole 
that just seems strange and convenient for him to be able to do to carry the story forward. But it's a disturbing ending, but... It's a downer ending. Yeah, but what's so great about that ending is the fact that you think he's still the same. He's playing it straight. There's no emotion when, in fact, he's turned. And we've we never knew because we're no longer following him. And so it's just that perfect, great shock. And it just pinpoints with perfection that, like, Shyamalan twist before there was a Shyamalan twist, you yeah. know? Like right you kinda at the wonder... end, you're like, oh, maybe he is okay. Because you see him, and he's walking, and he's very stoic, and he's playing it straight, and he goes by, and he realizes that, or we're seeing, thinking he's good, yep. that Elizabeth has turned. Or, we, or, granted, we know Elizabeth has turned. And so when when he finally runs into, um, uh, whatever her name is, Nancy, Veronica Cartwright, the blonde. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we realize she's good, she's okay. Oh, they're going to be all right. They're still, they're still not pod people yeah. anymore and then that finger point and the oh and then that's where it ends on because doesn't it pull like right into the darkness of his mouth and then it goes yes. to black credits yeah with yeah. no music yeah that's great it's that, great that and it's so, so just yeah it is perfectly chilling and ugh. Um, yeah it's great i'm gonna cut completely away from that tone okay. and i'm gonna talk about trivia Please, Travis, inform <laughs> us of the trivia of this film. Travia. Just Travis. Um, yeah. So I already said the, the homeless banjo player is Jerry Garcia. Arguably the first person assimilated is that priest at the beginning, played by Robert Duvall, on the swing set. Wow, I guess I don't... You didn't catch him? No. He was compensated for his acting with an Eddie Bauer jacket. Hey, <laughs> thanks for coming in. Here's, Here's a, a jacket. Here's a sweet... Here's a sweet jacket. Um, Kevin McCarthy from the original mm -hmm. kind of reprises his role as the freaking out guy, I did catch that one. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, this is what I, I found this one really interesting. Um, natural background noise, like crickets and birds chirping. Um, as the movie progresses... Do they disappear? They start to fade out. No, I never even made that connection. I, I mean, it's I a subliminal either. thing. It's so cool. Um, until it's only mechanical sounds remaining. Because the humans... Uh, uh, Apparently, presumably have the everything birds is... don't chirp when they get assimilated. I guess I don't know. Or do birds get assimilated? Um, and crickets. The Desoto Cab uh, Company in the movie is real, and their number is uh, if you're in San Francisco and need a cab, is four one five six seven three fourteen fourteen. That was their real number. I don't know how they got that through. No five five fives. Oh, I love this too. This is sort of a. What was the director's name? Philip Kaufman. Philip Kaufman. Um, he only let three people know the ending to the movie so that reactions would be legitimate, sort of like Ridley Scott did so, with the chestburster scene uh, in the original Okay, alien. that works. Yeah, and you talk about the sound design being so good. Guess why? Why? Ben Burt? Ben Burt. <laughs> we have a love affair with Ben Burt. You can always tell a Milford man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was all the, the really good trivia I could find for it, but I thought a couple of those were really cool. So what's your favorite scene? <sighs> I left it blank, man. My favorite scene still is the last three minutes. It wins the movie. Sure, it pays off everything. Yeah, it wins yeah. the movie because when we when we think that Matthew's faking it, he's showing zero emotion, and then there's that payoff, and it's just 
it's only in 1970s would you get such a depressing ending <laughs> and the studio to approve it. Yeah. You know? I don't think that would happen today. Not not, not, not a major movie, no, no. Not really. Um, I, I love... I mean, that's so iconic and I love that. Just the way... Donald Sutherland sort of has a, a, a silly putty kind of face anyway. Mm-hmm. Long, he has a long face. So that makes it even more creepy when he rolls his eyes back and does that. I really like any sequence where they show whatever the the alien is, the, the smoke sperm. Whenever they show it, kind of the plant taking over a person, because it's, it's shot in reverse. Yes. And I, I, I love any of those. And the opening credits were great. It's just, I don't know why I like that sort of bubbly, psychedelic, biologic-looking stuff. Weird, I guess, but those are mm-hmm. those are my favorite sequences. But I, I, one specific that chew bubble gum and kick ass, I couldn't I couldn't nail one down. Yeah, and I couldn't. Is there anything you would change? Um, not really. Um, I like my sci-fi overt, kind of like this, and harshly lit. Um, like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you could place it in the seventies and add Leonard Nimoy. And, you know, it makes it all the better. Uh, the, the only thing that I would have taken out was the human head on the dog. At the, a little much for you? Well, no, I think it's strange. And personally, it takes me out of the seriousness of the film. It it takes me down a notch to where my tension is not as high because it seems almost stupid. Gotcha. I, that, I, I can agree with that. That's probably what I would have taken out. I don't know that I would remove any. I mean, I'll, I'll, I would allow that. I would give you that. I don't know that I would take anything out. Okay. Would you recast anyone in the lead? Alan Alda. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that actually, I think that would work. I they never... would have played it so differently with such sort of incredulity well, here's toward what thing. was happening. I like Donald Sutherland, but... He is not the nicest looking man. No. No. <laughs> not that it matters. It's, he's just kind of peculiar looking. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of funny looking. You know, like how? Fun, like, just sort of funny looking. <laughs> <laughs> he, but he is. But he, you know, maybe Steve Buscemi needs to play. <laughs> <laughs> See, Steve Buscemi could be in the remake. Oh, yeah. See? Mm. We're getting we're, uh, we're no. I close. put 1970s Paul Newman would have worked, but no one would have ever trusted Paul Newman in another film if the ending stayed the same. I don't know how well the audience would have played or not played it. I don't think it would. The ending would have worked with him with that ending. I'm just trying to picture. They would have. Ex- they would have expected him to save the day. Sure, exactly. And when he doesn't, it w- he would have lost a lot of audience members wanting to see him in anything else. Yeah, as a ugh, son of a bitch. Betrayed us. <laughs> One, two, three, go. You know, but I think it could have worked. It's maybe just, it's not the right. Uh, no, I mean, it's not the right movie for him. That's why Donald Sutherland it, Donald Sutherland's yeah. in it, and that's why it works. But it's just, I was just trying to think of something, and there yeah, are no, there that's, are, are going to be times. Choice, yeah. No, and there are going to be times when I may not be able to come up with something, and I'm not going to rack my brain. Well, that's it. why I've got a go to for each one. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Okay. You know. Um, does it still hold up? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I put right here. Absolutely. All the practical in-camera effects are still quite good and really effing gross. Because <laughs> they are. It's so biological and gross. The reason it holds up is because it gets sort of 
reinvented for each generation, like I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I remember really liking the 1994 version. Um, so much so that... I don't remember what don't its remember theme anything. was. <laughs> I, I should revisit it, I guess. They each Each version still holds up in its own way. Because it's not trying to be timeless, I guess. Right. It's just, It tries yeah. to snapshot a... Morning in America, afternoon yes. in America. Evening in America. <laughs> and then... America... After dark. After dark. I'm right now. <laughs> um, my final thoughts on this one is basically that Body Snatchers, or excuse me, really, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's, it's a perfectly disturbing alien invasion film. It captures that feeling of that time period, but it still works and is it, it's still relatable today. It, it plants its roots in paranoia Absolutely. and never letting the viewer go. It there's, there's really no... They don't get safe for a second. They don't get safe for a second, and there's really no, like, I'm going to let the viewer catch their breath here for the yeah. next two minutes and take their mind off of this before I'm going to go back and scare the... You know, ever living crap out of them, and that doesn't happen nope. in this movie. So there's no letting that tension go. So it's just constantly turning and not letting go, yeah. turning and not letting go. And then you hope at the ending, nope, wrench. <laughs> Have a nice day. Yeah, it's dark. Hope it's this wasn't. Yeah. Hope this wasn't your first date. <laughs> Movie. It's dark. It'll be your last date, and possibly too. <laughs> I mean, it's dark. It's unsettling, and it's by far one of the creepiest PG films I've ever seen, and are at least one of the creepiest PG movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah. The fact that it's, it's still just weird to think that that movie's PG. My final thoughts were close to the same. It had all good things: science, fiction, 1970s socio-political themes, uh, sweet special effects. Um, Time for all these elements to melt together, marry, and deliver a great film. Not to mention that it was a classic already. To take a run at it 20 years later with a new set of fears only keeps it fresh. Adding Leonard Nimoy makes it even a little bit sweeter. I would recommend this movie. Really above all the other iterations of this particular story. While they're all slightly different, right? Um, this one is, uh, is my favorite of them. This one's the keeper. Yeah, of the... I couldn't think of a, a movie-related uh, movie Oh, I could. ...joke. What? Oh, movie-related oh, joke? Oh, I've got, I've got better oh, equal. Oh, I've, I've got a... Yeah. yeah. You you go first. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go, go first. Flip a coin? No. <laughs> you, always, coin? no you always win the coin talk. <laughs> um, if I was going to recommend... I don't I don't want to say better, but um, movie... Uh, equal movie or movie of the same theme or genre, it would be, uh, it would be Alien. Uh, with a very similar theme. The one that you saw once? The one that I saw once. Once. The theme is sort of... Sort I never of, thought about that. That does work as well. It's a, it's a, it's an alien movie. You're sort of being raped. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You have, you have no choice that this thing is this is taking, taking over your body and sort of planting its eggs in your throat or in your brain or, or whatever. Uh, or, you know, people not being who you thought they were on the surface... I have the original Wicker Man, possibly, or any other movie. Uh, That's the one with Edward Woodward, right? Yeah. You had to ask. The Equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Woodward. Yeah. I'm the, fa uh, the fact that I remembered his name, it's, it's kudos stunning. to me. Yeah. Wow, Ali yeah. Alien being the main. The main. Yeah. Yeah. My I only had one recommendation. It plays and shares the same thematic issues of paranoia, and someone isn't the same anymore, and it's really effing gross, and it's called The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yep. I have that written down, too.
I have the thing. Yeah. Yep. It's at the bottom of my notes. No, it's... I would... I would grab the thing over watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers easily. Really? It does not disturb me as much. No. As Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is like one that it's like, I watch it. All right. And we watch again. No, maybe in about four or five years because yeah. it's... Gross. It gets down in there. It makes you want to take a shower. <laughs> I mean, after you watch it, you feel kind of dirty. You feel violated. You want to not. You want to watch something happy and pleasant. Now, the thing is not necessarily going to throw you in the same mind frame, but it's it doesn't. I think the theme with the thing is more sort of isolation. Yeah, that too. But same with Alien. It's interesting that you picked The Thing, which is from, it was 1980, wasn't it? 82. 82? Yes. And I picked Alien from 79, and this is from 78. Yeah. So. It's all kind of very Yeah, America had a real fascination with being violated from the inside. <laughs> with the exception <laughs> of Alien. Or being eviscerated. <laughs> I would absolutely recommend this movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put a bow on, on this episode. Yeah. Um, Do you give the Gene Simmons horn recommendation? Oh, of course. I guess every time, <laughs> but backwards, like a like a Kid Rock version of it. Oh, I give the Kid Rock horns. You'll give the Gene Simmons horns. <laughs> I yeah. And you're doing um, you're releasing these these long form episodes on what day? I have no idea. Okay, at this excellent. So look for us. We don't know we'll, when. We'll leave it blank right here, <laughs> and that's where you'll hear the date when we're going to release it potentially, or you'll just hear. <laughs> you'll just you'll just know because we tell you on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, um, you can if you haven't already, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can download us anywhere you download podcasts. Yeah. Or or don't. You had one that we're, and we're thinking about doing um like a little run of stickers or magnets or t-shirts or something. Um so if you've got any suggestions for those, drop them in the comments. Um or shoot us a message through Facebook yeah, or email. Whichever. You have it sixpack.doublefeature at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Facebook. We we try to periodically throughout the week just post either what we're watching or what we're thinking. Or A lot of the times it has absolutely nothing to do with what we're recording. So when we get that, notifications yeah. through Facebook to tell us that our posts aren't boosted and to pay money to advertise it is not going to happen through us. All right, kids. I um, have no taste. Until uh, next time. We're going to tell them what we're doing next, the next week. Did we do that last year? We did. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Next week, uh, we might, might not have a special guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, depending on her availability. Um, but next week's uh, six-pack double feature is uh, Point Break and... Your favorite... And your wife's favorite. Not my favorite. I'm sorry. Your wife's favorite. Yes. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. I do love Roadhouse. We're doing the duality of uh, Patrick Swayze. Spoiler. The dichotomy of Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Spoiler. That is not a wide chasm. <laughs> it's either him playing good guy and it's him playing bad guy. That's the duality factor. <laughs> the hair pretty much stays the same. He parts it to the left or he parts it to the right. Or it's full of seawater or bar smoke. Mm. You choose. Irwin and Fletcher, you choose. Anyway, we might have a special mystery guest on that. If not, we may beep that out so you have no idea who we're talking about. <laughs> we don't know. I don't know. They, they, uh, <laughs> they will share uh, 
a few minutes. Anyway, until then, uh, he's Travis and he's Nathan. <laughs> Have a good week. See ya. Six Pack Double Feature is a Copec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Six Pack Double Feature presents Tangents. Look, the guys stray off topic and get distracted sometimes by. I said dude a lot, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay, a lot. But it's still funny. Just think of it as a sweet, sweet clip show. What's on your mind, guys? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it's Six Pack Double Feature. I'm Travis. I'm Nathan. And, uh, well, you know, all right, first thing, real quick. If I was if, if I was gonna do uh, some sort of like fantasy movie or or like a graphic novel, um, more like a like a way better Expendables, right? Um, I would do something that that I've that I've kind of come up with called the Bubblegum Squad. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that that thing you texted me ages ago? Yeah, talking yeah. About? Okay, it, it goes like this. Okay, so Snake Plissken would be like the leader. Okay, he would be the brains of the operation, sort of the Hannibal Smith. Okay. Uh, from the A team. Okay. Um, Ash from the Evil Dead. Uh, Melee and your uh, and uh, quips. chainsaw. Well, chainsaw. Yeah, or any interchangeable. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he could be sort of your gadgetry. <laughs> uh, and quips for okay. jokes. Okay. Um, Reggie Bannister from Phantasm. He, okay. He'd be your mechanic and uh, jokester as well. I've only seen that once, so I, I'm just. I'll send you home. Very with, hazy. I'll send you home with a good one. That's okay. Um, old Jack Burton would be your wild card. You never know what he's going to oh, do. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, John Nada from They Live, he would be your tank. Yeah, he's your warrior. Um, roll that around in your head and think how fun that would be. It's a graphic novel. That said, I'd say I got about half of this season's movies watched. And yeah, really I think I have for... half, but we don't have the... the uh, our, our halves are not uh, identical. No, not yet. <laughs> I, I typically end up Avoiding the less fun movies or the longer movies. You, you push those off. Yeah, and, and now I've got to watch The Postman again. So that's not to give you any spoilers a, for what's coming up, but it's it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a Costner epic. Actually, Costner Costner comes up a couple, three or four times this season. Uh oh, he comes up four times. Four? Oh yeah, four he times. does. He's in he's in the baseball. Yep. season and episode he's... that we do he's in a western, western. and then we do uh two apocalyptic uh pairings see if you can't I... see if you can't sort out which one's which on the apocalyptic pairings yeah. it's uh it's sad you know and he's got a really good intensity we're gonna i'm gonna make a call forward to a future episode we'll be we'll be recording here later but i had no idea until last night when i saw his name in the credits mm-hmm I didn't realize that he was the bartender. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, the bartender, once uh, the Double Deuce gets renovated. Uh-huh. I mean, he only had, like, a handful of, like, very small lines. I don't think he was ever really in focus. He was always a secondary character yeah. or tertiary character, really, sure, behind sure. the bar. And I had no idea. He's. I forgot about that. He is in focus I, at one point. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't this table because it's a we're in a different room recording at my house if you can't tell it's less ambient and uh i like this room better we can't record in here permanently though no we're in my wife's closet 
We're in the closet. We're holding hands right now. You know the only boobs you see is right at the end? That's like the last scene. He's one of the dudes is oh. having sex with the lady riding on top or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, what's the matter? And then you see his face. Ah! <laughs> and that's that's when the, the it's a quick credits one. cut. Yeah. That audio clip was... <coughs> that video clip was... <laughs> So it, it was altered. Quick, yeah, quick. <coughs> excuse me. Production edit. Someone had. Uh, what did they do? They they uh, they cut <coughs> they cut in Obama talking instead of whoever's voice was when you see the politician up yeah. on the TV that says obey, yeah. recommending Hillary, Hillary for the job, and then formaldehyde face lady when uh, when he sees her without the glasses. <laughs> Someone stuck Hillary's face <laughs> on the lady. I just wanted the line, which yeah. was the formaldehyde face. So, so that was my... Nathan places clips off of his uh, tablet or his, his laptop, and I can't see it. So I'm just sitting here listening, and I, I started thinking, Jesus, that sounds like Obama. Yeah. What what an, what an uncanny I thought 30 I years a, earlier impression. I thought I had a, like... A double lapping, like clip over a clip. Yeah. Like I'd opened up another window on accident. Oh, I'm like, what in the world? So I'm learning this information along with you. I, I like to write my notes and then forget what I've written, so that it's got some sort of air of spontaneity. If not, uh, it just shows my laziness. Um, I'm gonna write down the pork rind express, <laughs> just to. I got three. They all came for me. That's really not. Normal. <laughs> um, yeah. Because there's like a John Carpenter by, what, late 70s, and he was poignant and relevant for, for about, about 10, 10, maybe 15 years tops. And then by the mid-90s, he was... I don't know anything. He about. was still doing stuff after the mid-90s, but it wasn't anything that anyone really... I didn't care to see. And when I did, I was unimpressed with it. Yeah. It just seemed like... You mean he, Escape from New yeah, York or like, L.A.? Yeah. I mean, I think that was probably the, the final nail in the coffin. Because I remember he did, like, Vampires, and that was all right. But it wasn't and It wasn't anything Wasn't James great. Woods in that? It, he sure was. Yeah, I don't watch. I don't watch things featuring James Woods unless it's Casino. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a request to do, what was it, Casino and... Uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. Because we all know that Goodfellas is the better and superior wow. movie. That's a different episode. Uh, <laughs> that I don't know we'll get to this season, but... Maybe that'll be our, our bonus episode. For Could be, yeah, we'll give you a you choice. You want a choice. And you guys vote on it. It's, it's still early yet to... Uh, get there. Get there, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're literally halfway through the first recording. And we're already talking about voting for an episode <laughs> that comes after episode eight of but the eight episodes it, that we're going to do for it this just, season. It shows you guys that, yeah. we, that we plan, that mm -hmm. we have we have this thought out, mm -hmm. and we like doing it. Yeah, A comic book, it might work. No, <laughs> I, it probably would work as long as you could get at least the rights to use the character. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be interesting. For some reason, I've had I've written down here. Holy shit! They're Kimmy Gibbler's parents. I guess the smoke sperm is Kim. You never see Kimmy Gibbler's parents in Full House. 
So I don't know. I'm glad you said that because I was like, I know that name, but I can't place it until you said Full House, <laughs> and went, I wish I hadn't known that in the first place. Right. We've got uh, a few extra episodes this season. I think what did we do six last time? We did six last time, then we did a favorites, so that ended up being a total of seven. We're doing at least eight that we've uh, kind of put in place, scripted up, right? Yeah. And then uh, I'm working currently on um, a, a list of possible uh, pick sixes for like a year from now, or six months, or, or whatever. Whenever, yeah. yeah, whenever it happens. Don't look for us to be once we get these uh, episodes um, lined up to release, edited and ready to go. That we'll, it'll be on the weekly. <laughs> Yeah. Just hoping you don't use Stitcher because I haven't figured out while Stitcher is up and you can see the trailer, it's not pulling in any of the feeds. So I apologize if you're trying to follow us on Stitcher, but everywhere else, it's the feed is there. I looked it up the other day. I had this, the app on my phone. I logged in. I looked up my I looked up our podcast and it just said trailer and new episode <laughs> coming uh, November 10th or 22nd or whatever it was the day that we set it up to release, and it just had that. I, uh, so, if you're using Stitcher, we apologize, because um, there's no way you're listening to us if you're using Stitcher. <laughs> so don't use Stitcher. <clears throat> so don't use Stitcher. I make, I make us laugh. Mm -hmm. We make me laugh, is what I meant to say. But I make us laugh, too, I guess. It's okay. weird sitting, either driving my car or walking my dog, and listening to either Pick 6 or I've listened to something that <clears throat> we've done and... I've ne I still never made myself laugh so hard than listening to the the Pirates of the Caribbean and Cutthroat Island episode because the butthole pirate when that <laughs> line comes out, man. I I I never thought that listening to myself later on in the time frame that I would still make myself chuckle. <laughs> I mean, it's just the one of the slogans for the t-shirt that I was uh, Nathan t-shirt that I was thinking about was uh, Superman is a dick when he's drunk because he is he is a dick when he's drunk well if you've ever seen Superman 3 you'd know <laughs> so why does Superman 3 come up so much in this podcast? I don't know I think that it may be something we're going to have to talk about if it keeps being brought up because <laughs> we brought it up over fight scenes I think potentially isn't that what you brought it up over what scared oh, me as oh, a kid both of us it scared us both as a kid I think you didn't make my I, list oh, it, made your my list. List. it was your number one right uh, and uh, I don't think we've talked about fight scenes or if we did talk about fight scenes it wasn't in fight scenes I don't remember where else it came up Superman 3 has come up multiple, multiple times. times so it may be something that we're going to have to revisit and talk about because it's a great movie that may be a bonus episode <laughs> Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. In Southeast Asia, we call this type of thing bad karma. <laughs>